James chapter 3, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. What that verse means is uh, the more people you influence, the greater you will be judged. There's some people that they, they want to be in charge so bad. But the Bible says you be very careful if you're ever given a position of influence, you will be judged greater when you stand before God. Because you're not just taking care of yourself, you're taking care of others. And so as a pastor, I, I take this place very serious. Anything I preach, anything I teach in my involvement in people's lives, I will be judged for it. In verse 2, he goes on to say, in many things, someone say many things. In many things we offend all. We all have the gift to offend people. Not just in one or two areas, but many areas. But if any person does not offend in word, that same person is a perfect man and is able to control or to bridle the whole body. Saying if you have the ability not to offend somebody with your speech, you have the ability to govern the direction of your life. That's amazing. If you could ever get control of this, you can control the course of your life. That's powerful. And so he gives an illustration, a couple of them here in verse 3. He says, look, we put bits in the horses' mouths. Why do we do that? Not so they have something to chew on, but so they can obey us and we turn about their whole body. Here's this big, powerful stallion. And you put those bits in its mouth and you could turn that stallion left or right. You're not stronger than it. You're not more powerful than it. But if you get that in its mouth, you can govern the course of its direction. That's amazing. He goes on to paint the next picture in verse 4. Look at ships and boats as well. As big as they are, as great as they are, and they're pushed about with these, these strong, powerful winds in the sails, but the direction of them is determined by a small helm in the back of that ship. And whoever's at the steering wheel of that ship, by turning that wheel, gets to determine whether or not that ship is going to go to the right or if it's going to go to the left. That person doesn't weigh more than the ship. They're not more powerful than the ship. But when they have control of that, they determine the direction that ship goes. And then he says... That is what your tongue is like in verse 5. Your tongue is so small. It's one of the smallest parts of your body. And yet it has a big mouth. It boasts great things. Look how great a matter a little fire kindleth. A little spark in a, a dry area can cause a massive forest fire. And he says your tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. That's what your tongue like is among, uh, uh, with the rest of your body. It defiles the whole body. Your tongue can cause your whole body to be filthy before God. And it sets on fire the course of nature. You impact this world with your tongue. And your tongue is set on fire, look at this, of hell. Wow. And then verse 7, it says, every kind of beast, Every kind of bird, every kind of serpent, every kind of uh, thing in the sea has been tamed uh, and tamed of mankind. You can go to SeaWorld and this massive killer whale, 
They have they trained it to jump out of that water. They trained these dolphins to to go certain directions and to jump certain heights. You ever anyone ever been to one of those sea shows, those water shows? It's it's pretty remarkable to see. Here's an animal we cannot communicate with our own language, but we have the capacity to influence and train them to leap out of the water, to do flips. It's incredible. You go to zoos and you watch what they do with birds and they blow this little whistle a certain amount of times and this great horned owl flies out or this this uh, uh, homing pigeon comes out. It's amazing what we are able to tame and control in nature. And in verse 8 it says, but your tongue, someone say my tongue, my tongue, nobody has ever tamed it before. My tongue is unruly. My tongue is not just unruly, it's not just evil, it's an out-of-control evil. My tongue is filled with deadly poison. And with that same tongue, it says, we bless God, who's our Father. And with that same tongue, we curse people. And these people are made in the image of God. This same tongue in verse 10, from your same mouth, comes forth blessing and cursing. Listen up, church. That is not the way it ought to be. When you look at a fountain in verse 11, does that fountain from that same place, does it bring forth sweet water and bitter? No, the fountain is either sweet or the fountain is either bitter. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Or either a vine fix. Can an apple tree produce oranges or an orange tree produce apples? No. It's very basic understanding. And so it is. We are the fountain. And this fountain does not have the purpose or the uh, intention of God to produce cursing and blessing. This fountain, you and I... We are not supposed to have waters of evil and waters of purity. God wants us to have one source flowing through this fountain of our life. Does that make sense to somebody here today? Let's ask God to talk to us for these next couple of moments. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for everyone that's gathered here today. I don't believe it's a coincidence. I don't believe it's an accident. I believe, God, that you have divinely orchestrated this day. And, God, I pray we are sensitive, we are obedient, and we surrender and we're given to you. And someone say, in Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, yield to God. That's what we're going to talk about. Just for the next couple moments, I'm trying not to be too long. But I want to preach to you about yielding to God. Yielding to God. We just read this portion of Scripture. I, I, I love the book of James. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's powerful. It's profound. It's, it's short, and yet it's direct. It's just like, I don't got much time, so I'm just going to bring it. I'm going to cut all the fat. I'm going to, I'm going to sharpen the edge and just so I can be as direct as I can. That's what the book of James is. It is such a direct blow. It just 
boom, right at you. Same thing with when you read First and Second Peter and, and First, Second, Third John and Jude. Those guys, they just didn't have much time. It was like a TED Talk. They just they had to cut off everything just so they have their five minutes to be as direct as they can. That's what the book of James is alike. And, uh, and it's very challenging. If you ever feel like you're doing pretty good, read through the book of James and get ready for some conviction or get ready to be challenged. And not in a bad way to make you feel like you're some inferior punk, but to let you know that God is trying to help you and bring you to a place that you currently are not or an area you can improve in. And in James chapter 3, these verse, uh, uh, first 12 verses, It talks about our tongue, the power of speech, the power of words. And our mouth is so capable of destruction, and our mouth is so capable of construction. We could do some constructive things, and we could do some horrendous things with our mouth. Our mouth is completely out of control. We do good every so often, and we'll do good for a season, but when push comes to shove and you're put under the pressure and irritability creeps in and things don't go your way and somebody just doesn't know when to leave you alone or uh, whatever it is, whatever the cause, whatever the purpose, after a while your mouth just kind of tells on you. It lashes out and that fire goes forth out of your mouth, not really to refine or to help the, the hearer, but to consume the hearer so they can feel what you are feeling inside. And so he talks about this tongue, this speech that we have that we have no control of. And he says, don't don't be too hard on yourself. Realize it's a worldwide epidemic. Everybody is born with the same problem. Everyone is born in the same dilemma. We all have no control of our speech. But he says, There are lessons to learn from nature itself and from society itself to see that, you know what, there are some improvements to be made or that are available for this out-of-control thing, this tongue that is not just destructive audibly, but it is destructive internally to us. It destroys our soul. It says our soul is set on fire of hell by our tongue. We can go to hell because of our tongue. It can get you in a lot of trouble. More than just losing your job because you told your boss off. More than just losing your job because you yelled at a customer. You can lose your soul with your tongue. And so that should cause all of us here to be careful. And it's not just what you say, it's also what you type. Because what you type comes from you, and it counts as something you've said. You should be very careful what you text to somebody. You should be very careful what you post on social media. And it may not, you know, it may not be seen by everybody, or it may be seen by everyone, which makes it even as dangerous, where a conversation face-to-face is by one, one person. But when you post something on social media, Everybody sees it. And even if you delete it, it's still archived out there in the digital world. And it can be resurfaced at any point that that company wants to bring it back for whatever purposes. They own, you give them ownership of your speech to use it for you or against you. That's why you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say, type, or post can be used for you or against you. 
We should take pause and consideration with what we do with this mouth, with this speech. And so it says there are some things we can learn from so we aren't so reckless with our tongue and so reckless with our social media and so reckless with our words. There are some things that can be done because we can look at nature and we have realized this, these uncontrollable, these untamable, powerful beasts of nature have been tamed with effort, have been tamed with approach and technique, and they have found a way to put a whole... A bridle in the mouth of a horse and begin to control the direction of it. They have found a way to cut down a large timber and to construct these big masts and these sheets called sails where the wind can thrust this two-ton, three-ton, ten-ton ship into a certain direction. But yet, instead of it just moving recklessly, there's some things that can be put into place to control the direction of this massive Ship. And there's some things that can be put into our lives if we would be intentional and if we would be careful and if we would be open. This reckless life of ours can be brought into control and it could be set on the right direction and not on the course of hell, but on the course called heaven. Someone say, Praise the Lord. How many want to go that course? That's the direction I want to go. I don't want to wind up in hell. I don't want to burn for eternity. I want to go the course of heaven. In Romans 6, 12, and 13, it says, Listen up, folks. Don't let sin reign or control your mortal, your temporal, your momentary, your physical body. Don't let sin control you that you have to obey that as your master. Just like whoever's sitting on the saddle of that horse, whoever gets the reins controls the direction. Who are you going to let be in the driver's seat of your life? Are you going to let sin be behind the steering wheel? You're going to be in for a bumpy road and a reckless drive. But see, if you get the right thing in that seat and the right person at the helm of that steering wheel, it can change everything. And so he gives this advice in verse 13. Neither yield. Someone say yield. Do not give or surrender your body, your members of your bodies, as an instrument of unrighteousness to sin. But you're going to yield to something. It's just like that old song, you're going to serve somebody. You're going to yield to something. You may not yield to church, but you're going to yield to something. You may not yield to God, but you're going to yield to something. And so he says, realize the categories is yielding to God or yielding to sin. And so yield yourself to God and those that are alive from dead as your members of instruments of righteousness. And then jump down to verse 16. And it says, you have to know this. Don't you know that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey his servants you are to whom you obey. If you let sin take the helm, if it's going to take you the direction of death. But if you have obedience, it's going to take you in the right path, the paths of righteousness. We are talking about yielding 
to God. We got to make up in our mind and we got to be conscious that everything I do in every day, every action, every thought, I am giving myself to something. That's what we mean by yielding. You are giving yourself to or you're opening yourself to it. You're allowing it to occur. You're allowing it to take place. And so I don't want to yield to hell. I don't want to yield to the devil. I don't want to give him any place. What we're talking about today is opening ourselves to God, giving ourselves to God. And you might be here right now say, I just don't know if I can or I don't know how I want to. The good news is you're not the only one that's ever felt that way, so you can learn from nature. You can learn from others. The Apostle Paul, the greatest writer in the New Testament, the greatest preacher and missionary and church planner of all time, in your Bible, in Romans chapter 7, he shares insight to his struggle. He says, look, there's times I want to do good, but I'm doing bad. And there's times I don't want to do bad. I want to do good, but I end up falling into that. And there's times I try to fight, you know, these things, but there's this war inside of me. And this is this tug of war between good and evil. And I'm, I'm trying to find a way how to perform that good thing. That's what Romans seven thirteen is all about. He says that that will to do good, I can't find, but I want to find how to perform the will of God. And this is where I'm here at today to help somebody. There is a way to find out how to perform the will of God. There is a a way to yield to God where you're given to the things of God and you begin to be in God's service. And so it says in verse 24 of Romans 7, Paul, this man that's so amazing, he says, I have wrestled that battle that you're wrestling with. And here's what he calls himself, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? This scripture, some speculate, the language he uses here is alluding to the image of an ancient Roman torture. And what they would do to some of their captives that they really, they, didn't, they could just kill them right off the bat. But what's the fun in that when you can make them really suffer as long as possible? And so there were so many, that that's what these torture experts would do. How long can we keep this person alive and conscious and in pain? And so one, there's many methods. I'm not going to uh, go through all that kind of stuff. But one of the things they would do, it wasn't very painful, but it would become painful over time. And they would chain, they would tie down a dead body to a living prisoner. Someone that was killed in battle or someone died of disease, they take that decomposing body and they would latch it on to the live prisoner and chain it and tie it down. If you don't like your neighbor, imagine having that for your neighbor. Now you are sitting there with a decaying body attached to you. And what the, the, the power of death is, is that it will attach itself to you. The disease from that body will latch on to you. That infestation in that body will spread into a healthy body. And Paul says, if that's what he really means here, of what they speculate, he's saying, that's how I feel. There's these two natures inside of me, and I want to do good, but I feel like I'm chained down to this decomposing body, to this, 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 this flesh that is just spreading sin inside of me. And here's 
the picture, if it is what this is speaking about, is that you will become what you are exposed to. You will become what you are yielding yourself to. Or you could simply put it this way. What you're given to is what you'll be living soon. What you're given to is what you'll be living soon. Whatever you spend your time exposing yourself to, you'll soon be that. You'll soon let it play out in your life. You you don't get the disease of that dead person and all of a sudden now you're decomposing instantaneously because that body's on you. But over time, exposed to it long enough, it will latch itself onto you and you will become that very thing that is attached to you. We're talking about yielding to God. We must be ever careful what we yield ourselves to or what we give ourselves to. What you give yourselves to has to do with what you give your eyes to and what you give your ears to and what you give your time to and what you give your attention to and what you surround yourself with. You have to be aware of your surroundings at all times. You got to be conscious of environments that you walk in at all times because if not careful, you are oblivious to the fact that you are connected to a dead, decomposing body, and spiritually speaking, and that spirit will latch on to you. That spirit will get itself into you, and you find yourself now decomposing. You find yourself falling apart. But I just looked at a group of people here that we all say we don't want to go the course of hell. We want to be on the course of heaven. We want to get to that place. Amen? Let's clap our hands to the Lord. The Bible says, don't be ignorant concerning Satan's devices. There's some things Satan attaches himself to, not because he really has any interest in them, but we have interest in them, so he attaches to the things we're attached to. Because the Bible says nothing in of itself is evil. Nothing. That means nothing. But there's some things that we're interested in and the enemy sees the interest of us and he says how can I use what they're interested in against them and so that's why we got to be what 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 would be some things in your mind right now that you would see society interested in right now it doesn't take rocket science it's pretty much digital age right pretty much music movies sports Video games. Am I making sense or I just seem like the odd duck here right now? It's it's just common. That is what we are interested in. That's what compels us. That's what grips our attention. So the enemy knows that. There's nothing evil in of themselves. But see, he says, what can I do through these things, these devices? How can I utilize these devices so I can latch on to that person? So I can get this decomposing nature of sin onto them if they stay around this and connected to this long enough. And so 
It also says in the Bible, give no place to the devil. And so it's imperative that we find out where are the places of the devil? Where are the entry points that the devil is trying to find a foot in my life? And so what I'm going to do, I will be diligent about those places. And I will be diligent about those devices. And I'm going to get control of those areas so that wretched man doesn't attach on to me. This is maybe, uh, you you think this is a silly example, but I'm just going to give it anyways, because I'm a silly kind of guy. But I have a friend, uh, believe it or not, and he he just posted this on social media um, two days ago, two, three days ago. And it was a... um, and he's he's uh, in Ohio, and he's he's a great guy, all this kind of stuff. And he's pretty diligent about what he allows his his uh, family, his kids to watch. And he's got filters and all this kind of stuff. And so he's pretty intentional. And so uh, he was letting his child watch um, YouTube Kids, and so thinking like, oh, it's YouTube Kids, so you know nothing bad can be on there, right? And so while his child's watch, uh, you know, watching this, they they get in the vehicle and they're driving later. And the, 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 he hears this, like, choking sound and this, this punching sound, and he turns and looks. And then he hears it again, and he turns and looks, and it's his, it's his child choking itself and hitting itself. And he's like, stop it. And the child just keeps doing it. And so this is true. This just happened just a couple of days ago. He says, what are you doing? And without missing a beat, the child says, I was watching YouTube Kids, and the big bad wolf was showing me how to do this. And choking themselves and hitting themselves. And so he just made that radical step. He says, you know what, I'm just done with that. And that can sound stupid to anyone else. And I'm not telling you how to run and govern your life. But what I'm saying is you have to be intentional about devices. And you have to be intentional about places. Because the enemy sees what you allow in your home and in your family. And you'd be a fool to think that the enemy would not try to utilize some venue in your home that you don't think is a big deal. When you are the one giving the time to it. And so when we sit there and if you're in your home and you you got the big screen and you're you're linked into Netflix and you're linked into, you know, uh, Hulu and you're linked into uh, uh, satellite or whatever it is. You got to understand the enemy. He is going to find your time, your passion, your attention, and he's going to chain himself to you so he can try to transfer something. I'm not saying because you watch some violent movie, you're going to go out and kill somebody. That's not the point I'm making at all. But for us to think that what we give our time and place to to, has no influence us, we could not be the more deceived. We have to be diligent about what we yield ourselves to. I want to be yielded to God. I want to be surrendered to God. It, it kills my heart every single time. You know, I, my wife and I, we travel quite a bit, and, and we go places, and it, it happens every time. We go out to eat with a, a young couple, a pastor, family, whatever, and they got young children, and they just throw their phone at them and let their kid be entertained by a phone so, you know, that way the kid doesn't scream and cry. But it really has no idea what the child's watching or thinks they know what the child is watching. But when you read and you look at YouTube and you look at YouTube kids and all this stuff, there are literally every minute millions of hours uploaded of watching every minute. And YouTube kids says there's no way we can control everything that goes through. There's too much. It's kind of like uh, uh, coffee beans. 
My life always goes back to coffee illustrations. And so those coffee beans, they filter everything they can through machinery and lasers and all this kind of stuff, even hand-picked filtering uh, to make sure there's no rocks and granules in there. But every day, someone's grinder catches a rock. Every day. Someone in the world has their grinder ruined because a rock made it in. And so we, you, you, you could play Russian roulette all you want with video and media and games and think there's no big deal to it. And you're, you're going to get by and probably, you know, you'll never get caught. But the, there's a chance that one bullet is in that one chamber of a thousand chambers and just the wrong image at the wrong day exposed to the wrong person. I don't know about you, but I don't want to play Russian roulette with my child. I don't want to play Russian roulette with my soul. I want to be yielded and given to the things of God. If you believe that, would you clap your hands? This is not a media sermon, though I did take a media pause there. It's just to let us know. And the reason why I address this so many times is because where we live today, it's where we live today. And we got to keep consciously putting it at the forefront of our mind, knowing that when we sit there, we're opening up the portal and gate to our soul. You, and you let your child, if you just throw your phone at your child to subdue them and to just get them all calm and quiet, you got to be very careful because you are opening a channel to your child. And I do not want to open up the wrong channel to my child. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 19 through 24, it says, Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. People yield themselves to sin. In verse 20 says, but that's not how we learn as Christians. As Christians, we don't learn to give ourselves to this world. It says in verse 21, if so that ye have heard of him and have been taught by him as a truth that's in Jesus, that we put off for off concerning the former conversation. That means behavior. We put off the former behavior of the old man. And that's what God has called us to do as Christians. That's the truth in Christ, is that we take off the old man. The things we used to yield ourselves, the things we were chained with, the things we were bound to, we wore those all the time. But he says, take those off. And in verse 23, says, be renewed in the spirit. Hear me today. If you're here and you're a spirit-filled apostolic Christian in this place, you need not to just look back to that experience you had five years ago or five months ago. We need to be renewed in this spirit of our mind. In verse 24, and when you live there you are putting on the new man which is after God created in righteousness in true holiness this is the power of what happens when we get filled with the Holy Ghost and live being renewed in the Holy Ghost we're taking off that wretched man that would like to chain itself to us and we're putting on that coat every day look just like when you go outside in the winter, you put that coat on. You come back in and you take it off. There's times I realize you're not talking in tongues 24-7. But then when you're in a spiritual matter, you're putting that coat on when you're going out to battle. But when there's times you come home, you might take the coat off, relax or whatever. But you have to make sure every day you get dressed again in the whole armor of God. Every day you got to be renewed in the spirit of God. Now, let me ask you this. Which, which would you rather, okay? Which would you rather? I, I, you put that, that next verse up there, Alicia, please. Second Peter 2.14. Which would you rather? Is everyone looking at that verse? And if, uh, or at least jot them down so you can look at them later. 
But which would you rather? Would you rather have eyes full of adultery that can't cease from sinning? You're an unstable soul. The only exercise you get is the covetous practice, and you're a cursed child. Or look at verse, look at First John three nine. Or would you rather be born of God and not commit sin? And God can, you can have the things of God. You're yielded to them continually, and so check this out: you cannot sin. Wow. Which would you rather? I can't, I can't stop sinning, or I can't sin. You know, that's right, that's right there in your Bible. You can live one of two lives. I can't stop sinning, or I can't sin. I'm not saying that you'll never sin, but listen, you don't have to. You don't have to. I have never sinned. This, this is the God-honest truth, and you don't have to believe me if you don't want to. I've never sinned while being in the Holy Ghost. That's what Peter's saying. I've never sinned while being in the Spirit of God. I've never sinned walking in the Spirit. See, the key is to stay in the Holy Ghost. The key is to stay full of the Holy Ghost. It's what Paul called walking in the Spirit. See, if you're walking in the Spirit, you're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And that's where we got to get this figured out, you and I. If you are struggling with sin, you got to figure out what is it you're opening yourself to to influence that sin in your life and if you can ever discover what that is and just make a hard line and make a cut and put a a offensive protection around that area you will not sin look you you can misinterpret this all you want but look it has been 17 years or or maybe i'm bad with math I, i was 18 years old i'm 35 what does that mean 16 17 years Yes, I'm getting good at math. All right, 17 years. It's been 17 years since I drank alcohol. It's been 17 years since I said a cuss word. Now you say, you self-righteous Pharisee, you punk. No, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. It's the power of yielding to the Holy Ghost. What I'm saying is, look, I'm not saying that I've never messed up since, you know, 18 years old when I decided to start living serious for God because I got my mess-ups, but this is what I've learned to do. Find out what my mess-up is, find out what's causing it, and cut it off and give myself over to God. And when you do that, you don't have to relapse in alcohol. You don't have to relapse in pornography. You don't have to relapse in cussing. You don't have to relapse in getting arrested again and again and again. It's the power of what we give ourselves to which would you rather would you rather live a life i can't control my eyes i can't control my eyes i can't look i'm a man men have problem with temptations but i've learned to give myself over to god where i don't struggle with giving myself over to adultery with my eyes and that's where we're at in society today society is a pornographic sensually driven society and you, that guilt that is chaining you right now, you, the, 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 the weight that you feel on you that feels like a 1,000 pounds, God says, look, I could get that weight off of you. And you can go from living a life that cannot cease from sinning and be given to a life that cannot sin because you're filled with the Spirit and you walk in the Spirit. 
First Samuel 10.5. I'm almost done. Can I have 10 minutes? 10 minutes? 10 minutes? All right. First Samuel chapter 10, verse 5. 5 through 10. And so this is the preacher talking to, to Israel's soon-to-be king. And this man is, is, is a pushover. He's such a, a, just a very soft, embarrassed, timid, shy person named Saul. But things are about to change for this man. And it says, you're going to come to the hill of God. And when you, when you come to the hill of God, and there's a garrison of the Philistines there, it's going to happen. Because they, they that seem to have control are going to lose control. And when you come thither to that city, you're going to meet a company of prophets. See, what you need to surround yourself with is a company of godly people. Stop surrounding yourself with people that are not wanting to live godly. That's where your problem. You don't change your environment. You don't change your surroundings, and you wonder why you keep struggling. you got to change it. And it says, these people, they'll, they'll, they'll be coming to you with a psaltery, a tablet, a pipe, a heart. They'll have a guitar. They'll have a piano. They'll have a drum set. They'll have, mic, they'll be, they have all these instruments, and then they, they'll have some prophecy. They'll have some preaching. Now, what kind of environment does that sound like? Sounds like church. You're going to go to the hill of God, smack dab where the Philistines have control, but things are about to change. When you go into that place where the, where the devil and the enemy thinks it has control, but when you set up a place where there's going to be some music and there's going to be some singing and there's going to be some inspired speaking called preaching, and they start prophesying to the wind, when that happens, look at verse 6, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. And you, you which used to be a listener of the Spirit, you're going to be a proclaimer of the Spirit. You'll start prophesying with them. You'll start preaching with them. See, when you first come to church, you don't know what to do, you feel uncomfortable, but you just keep coming to the place, the hill of God, and you surround yourself with the people of God, pretty soon you'll start singing, pretty soon you'll start preaching, pretty soon you'll start rejoicing. It's the power of what you yield yourself to. And the Bible says, look at this, I love it, verse 6, you will be turned into another person. You'll be a completely different person. You're, you're, you're struggling with whatever it is right now, whether you're bound by fear, whether you're bound by drugs, whether you're bound by hatred, whether you're bound by gossip, whether you're bound with cursing, whatever it is that your vice is. I'm telling you, you get to the hill of God with the people of God and worship in the house of God. The Spirit of God will move upon you, and you'll become another person. And verse 7 says, and there'll be signs that follow There'll be signs that follow. And when you these signs follow you, you can start doing some things you've never done before because God's with you. That's literally what's going on here in verse this verse here, verse 7. It says, do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. The things that you couldn't do before, you can do it now because God is with you. You couldn't say no to the alcohol. You couldn't say no to the promiscuity. You couldn't say no to the drugs. But see, when you got to the house of God and filled with the Spirit of God, all of a sudden you can do things you thought you never could do before. Why? Because it's not I that does it. It is Christ that is in me, the hope of glory. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. And so he says in verse 8, when you go with me down or before me at Gilgal, I'll come down unto thee. 
and we'll, we'll offer offerings together and sacrifices together. And you tarry, you tarry till I come to you and, and show what you shall do. This is very important. Listen, you come to church, you experience the presence of God, and you get filled with the Holy Ghost, your life's changed. But connect yourself to the ministry. Connect yourself to someone to disciple you. Connect yourself to the preacher. Connect yourself to the minister because they'll help you. If you stay, it says, Terry, stay around and let them show you what to do. The problem is the only time you see the preacher is on Sunday. The only time you let anyone minister to you is on Sunday. No, get them with you. Terry, hang out a seven days. Try to do something more in those seven days that week with someone else and let them show you what you need to do. Verse 9, and at that day, God gave him another heart and those signs came to pass that day. And everyone in verse 10 began to wonder, man, is he, is he one of the prophets as well? Because he's now prophesying. In 2 Timothy 1.6, I'm going to hurry up here. 2 Timothy 1.6, you need to stir up the gift of God. If you're here and you got the Holy Ghost, what this is saying, don't let it go stagnant. Don't let it go dormant. Don't let it go dry. Stir things up again. Stir things up. Come on. You've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Stop yielding yourself to the wrong thing. Give yourself to the things of God. Because God didn't give you that spirit of fear you're struggling with as a Christian. God didn't give you that. He gave you power, love, and a sound mind. And so what you need to do is yield yourself to the gift that's inside of you, the Holy Ghost. Stir it up. Stir it up. You need to pray every day. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, renewed every day. You need that because, other words, you're going to be given to the spirit of fear. And so don't be ashamed, verse 8, of the testimony of God. You guys have nothing to be embarrassed about. I know I know people might think we're weird because we're vocal, we're loud or emotional, but the truth is, push come to shove we got nothing to be embarrassed about because i was i was this way worse in the world making a fool of myself i'll be a fool for christ i'll be emotional i'll give god a hundred i gave the world a hundred i'm going to give god a hundred and so we go here let's go i'm going to wrap this up matthew 12 34 out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks we open up talking about this mouth this tongue and this fountain we're the fountain and so there's got to be a source for the water to flow in that fountain. And so when you speak, the life you live it is reflective of what's the source of your fountain. In John seven thirty seven through 39, Jesus says, If any man thirsts, come to me and drink. And he that believes on me. How many believe in Jesus? Got a lot of believers here. That's awesome. Look at this. If you believe on Jesus, as the Scripture said, out of your belly shall. This means this should happen. Out of your belly should flow rivers of living water. Remember, you're the fountain. And so if you're a believer in Jesus, he wants there to be a fountain that flows from your belly out of the abundance of your mouth. Okay? What is he talking about? Verse 39. He's talking about the Spirit. Those that believe on him should receive. It doesn't mean they received it because they believe. It says they should receive because they believe. But the Holy Ghost wasn't yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. I mean, no one's ever been filled with the Holy Ghost until Jesus resurrected from the dead. Okay? And so let's fast forward to the, 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 the original church. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 6. This is the last portion of Scripture for those that are timing me and that are very fearful that I'll go two hours. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the coast that comes to Ephesus. And what does he find? He finds believers. Okay? He finds disciples. And in verse 2, here's the question he asked the disciples. Have you received the Holy Ghost? Catch this. Since you believed. I know you believe, but have you received the Holy Ghost since 
you believed. You cannot miss that. But so many people do. And so they said, just kind of maybe what some of you might be thinking. What you talking about, Willis? I'm not, I not heard there be any Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, what are you talking about? What do you mean have I received the Holy Ghost since I believed? And so verse 3, they say this. How were you baptized? And they say, oh, well, we're Baptist. You know, John the Baptist. So we hear that, that's, how, that's how we grew up. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, I get it. So he says, Let, let's rewind. Let's talk back a little bit. And so he starts talking about baptism in verse 4. And after this Bible study, and he's talking about Jesus Christ concerning baptism, in verse 5, these, these ba- the Baptists from the John group, they, they, they heard this, and look, they were rebaptized how? In the name of the Lord Jesus. They were baptized before. But they said, you know what? I like what you're preaching about. I want to give myself to that. And so they got rebaptized. And what happened when they got rebaptized? Paul prays for them, and the Holy Ghost moves upon them, and they begin to speak with tongues and prophesy. They gave themselves over to this truth. And that day they were born again. And that very day they did something they never done before. God used them that fast in the gifts of the Spirit. That fast. They have to wait 20 years. But in 20 seconds after receiving the Holy Ghost, they begin to prophesy. Wow. That's how fast God can start working in your life. You don't have to be in this church 20 years before you can be used to God. The moment you get filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, God is ready for the gifts to work through you. Let's stand together. I'm happy you're exposed to the presence of God. But listen very carefully. You have to yield yourself to the presence of God. And the longer you expose yourself, the easier it is to yield. This is why you, you shouldn't be so quick to leave. If I could ever encourage you, don't, don't leave just because I'm done preaching. Don't leave just because I'm done preaching. Service ain't over. You, this is your time to open up to God. This is your time to be saturated in the presence of God. The presence of God can be absorbed. Moses hung out in the Mount of God for 80 days. And when he came back down, he was glowing. He was radiating with the glory of God. Why? Because he was yielded to God. And that's what happens if we're not in such a rush on a Sunday just to yield ourselves to God. See what God begins to do and what he can extract from your life and what you can absorb from his life by just being steeped and marinated in his presence. It's amazing what could happen. But I'm not just talking about Sunday. I'm talking about every day. What are you giving yourself? What are you giving your time to? If you're not praying daily, if you're not steeping yourself in the word of God daily, you're yielding yourself to something other than that. You're yielding, you sit there and you're watching, you know, uh, you're you're watching some series on Netflix. You're doing some binging and, and catching it. You're sitting in the wrong environment. See, you've been in the church how long now? Ask yourself, how long have you been in the church? And when's the last time you've been using the gifts of the Spirit? Because I just read some people that yielded to God, and in 20 seconds they were used to God. But if you're not being used to God... Are you yielding yourself to the wrong things? I want to be used to God. I want to do mighty exploits. I I want to make an impact, but I've got to be given to God. Ask yourself, what is it you're giving yourself to?
I wonder if there's anyone here today that wants to just kind of stand in the presence of God up front here today. I know there's nothing, there's nothing different right here than where it is where you're at. But when we ask for people to come forward to what we call the altar here, it's just you making an open declaration to the prince of the power of the air, to the enemy that's watching your soul right now. You're just saying, you know, devil, watch this. I'm going to walk closer to God. I'm, I'm just going to make a bold declaration that this is where I want to be, devil. And I consciously am going to apply what I heard preached today. And I'm going to yield myself to that word that went forth today. And I am going home making some different decisions. I'm going to go home and I'm going to change some of my company. I'm going to go home and I'm going to change some of the things I expose myself to because I want to be yielded to God. That's what this altar is about. It's about you coming out from where you are to go to somewhere you've never been before. That's where we apply things. Right here in this altar, it's the rubber meeting the road. It's us making a decision that when we leave out here, we're leaving here with the word of God and we're going to apply it. How many here want to be yielded to God this week? I believe if we would yield ourselves to God this week, some powerful things are going to happen. If you're here today and you have been filled with the